Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod. Well, welcome to another episode of the Westside Personalized Podcast, and I am thrilled today to be able to speak with Kathleen McClaskey about some personalized learning here and uh, really to get into some topics like kind of the hopes and dreams of our learners is something that we've informally chatted about here uh, prior to the podcast that I'm excited to dive into. Uh, really looking forward to having Kathleen out for our Westside Personalized Summit that's going to be coming up May 29th and 30th. So you can check that out uh, in our podcast today is really to just sort of showcase uh, some of Kathleen's work and her as one of our featured presenters for the summit this summer. So uh, Kathleen, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think it's worth noting that you're a co-author of How to Personalize Learning. And that's a text that we've used in district. Uh, and I know people have across the country really for trying to understand what personalized learning actually looks like in practice, you know, in the classroom. And uh, we actually, Kathleen and I had the opportunity to co-present Ina Call, which was great. Uh, that's how I came to get the chance to really get to know you and work with you a little bit prior to all this. And so for the people listening in that don't know you as well as I've had a chance to, you know, get to know you, uh, can you kind of give us a little bit of your background with personalized learning and yeah, just kind of overview, I guess. Well, yeah, I'd love to share all of that. I want to say to you is that um, over 30 years ago, I created learner-centered environments. And then reflecting, once we started personalized learning, I basically reflected back on my educational career and actually was creating those learner-centered environments where I was really empowering learners. And it was all sort of based upon the pedagogy of Seymour Papert, the constructivist theory. So that's how I got to this personalized learning level. But uh, in practice, I always believed that kids could actually construct a lot of their own learning if you created really very specific learning environments and guidance uh, mm -hmm. in the classroom. So I started many, many years ago. And, but it was just my natural way of teaching. And I also spent a lot of time in building relationships with kids. That's a real key component of personalized learning. Sure. And, um, instead or any of any learning for that matter. That, that's, that's any learning. So I, I had every kid, I was faced with teaching every kid in the classroom in grades seven and eight uh, in the school, and that was about 250 kids. And um, I really thought that I was responsible for teaching all learners. And so what I needed to do is discover who they were as learners first. And I did that back in 1988. And, yeah, actually, well, and I would say too, and help them discover those things about themselves, right? Not only for us as the educator, but also for the learner to... Yeah, so yes. And so the learner actually has a voice um, mm -hmm. in, in their learning. And they can actually tell you what they need because I felt that 13 and 14-year-old kids should be able to say that to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to read it in some document or something, but uh, treating kids as learners uh, and getting them to have a voice in their learning and what they needed to help them learn was an important part of what I did over 30 years ago. And so when I was developing, you know, and co-authoring books with Barbara, I had all that experience sort of to sort of look back on. And of course, along my travels, like, you know, I came across Universal Design for Learning and I've been a, a practitioner around UDL for 20 years now. So 20 years ago, I was introduced to that. I would consider myself somewhat of an expert around it. And I've taken it from an uh, instructional side uh, to a learner side. And that's what I've done a little bit different about UDL. 
And that's uh, that's what we had a chance to kind of visit about uh, prior to Ina Call because that's something that we co-presented on. And so I really appreciated learning a little bit more about how you kind of see those two coming together. And uh, again, before the podcast started, even we were talking about how innovation sometimes is born out of it's kind of the synthesis of you know, I understand, like you're saying, UDL and personalized learning, and I kind of can see the ways in which there's an overlap there that can bring about a new practice. And so that's, uh, it's cool. I don't kind of hear that. I know that's true to who you are. So also prior to the podcast, as I mentioned, you uh, were really kind of sharing a little bit about a recent revelation, it sounds like for you with regards to kind of asking students about their dreams. And so can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit and kind of where your thoughts are with that now? Yeah, so um, I was thinking deep about hopes and dreams uh, for learners. And when I was introducing the learner profile to a group of educators in Ohio a few months ago, um, one of the things I said, you know, is have your kids share out their hopes and dreams. It's about aspirations, yes, and that's part of your hopes and dreams. And what they did in the end is that kids actually created a dream board. (laughs) And then they talked about their hopes and dreams in front of all their classmates. And I said, how empowering that is to be sharing hopes and dreams with everyone. And and kids were so articulate. Children eight and nine years old were able to describe what they dreamed about doing one day in very specific terms. And I was saying, wow. I think there's a maturity of some children and lots of children who can share those things out. It's very exciting to see kids do that. And the culture in the classroom can now be built upon. We all have hopes and dreams, and that's what we're here for. Um, And I actually think uh, that's why we're in education. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we need to think about, um, it's, by the way, yeah, all all the content that you teach is, is, is somewhat relevant, um, and the skills that kids gain is very important, but uh, we're in it for helping them realize hopes and dreams. And I sort of like to say to the audience out there, just for a moment, think about your hopes and dreams uh, as a child. What were they? Write them down, share them with someone. I was saying to Andrew earlier, that a few weeks ago, I shared what my dream was with my husband who had been married to for 46 years. And it just goes to show you how much we bury that and how much we sort of hide that as adults. But if we sort of tap into our inner child and our what we thought about then, uh, it's a great, a, a great way to build to have a conversation with someone. And it's always great to have dreams. And I was also referring to a, a great uh, graphic I saw around dreams uh, that Peter Reynolds had uh, put out. And it says, you know, dreams are your wings. And think about if we can give children wings, you know, and they're learning and why they're there. It gives it a whole new purpose for uh, learning, doesn't it, when you have dreams? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's something, you know, as we were talking earlier, I didn't, didn't mention at the time, but a term that I became familiar with last year, I think right around this time, uh, someone referenced a TED Talk and kind of pointed me to that. Uh, it was this idea of being a multi-potentialite. And I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and, uh, but it, the, the TED Talk says that there are some people as, you know, when they're young, they have a goal or an aspiration or a dream and they know what it is and they 100% pursue that. And they, uh, whether they realize it or not, there's kind of a, a drive for them to kind of be focused on entering into a particular profession and to do that. And that's mm-hmm. something that they could find rewarding for the rest of their life. And I'm envious of that in some some regards because a, a multi-potentialite, 
is someone who tends to do something for a stint and then jumps to something else and then we'll jump to something else and sort of uh, is more kind of intrigued by the, the shifting of that goal, I guess. And so as we were talking earlier, I was thinking to myself, I feel like that that multi-potential like, part of me maybe is why I can't articulate a specific goal as much as um, I just, I've always been about kind of what's next. And I've really, I don't know, appreciated. I, I, I'm thinking about what you're saying through that lens is what I would say. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, I was reflecting with you, um, you know, Andrew, about what my hopes and dreams were. So my hope was to be a teacher one day. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was back in the 50s. And I had this wonderful third grade teacher. And I was saying, oh, I definitely want to be like her, you know, and she was just uh, really made great connections with kids. But my dream, again, was, was to be an aviator. And that's one thing I never realized. Uh, but it's always... Yeah. It, it always appeared periodically in my life that, you know, like, don't forget that dream, you know, and it's still there because, and I, and I think there's a possibility that one day I'll get to do that. I'm not too mm -hmm. sure anyone wants to teach a, a person of my age how to, how to fly a plane, but the, I guess it's never too late. Yep. But it's, it's important for kids to share those things because um, this is really what, and gets kids excited. When we talk about that learner profile, you can really get those hopes and dreams, you know, out on for kids to talk about them and, mm -hmm. uh, and or express them in any way that they want. In fact, you learn about how kids like to express those ideas about themselves. And it's important that kids sort of identify with some of those because Think about if kids actually get to realize any one of those hopes and dreams, you know, that you're going to be a part of that, you know. Um, you are, as an educator, contributing to kids' hopes and dreams all the time. Uh, yeah. They may not have shared those with you, but it's, uh, so I hope that the audience out there has written down, been in touch with their inner child, mm -hmm. um, and realize how important that is to get back there. And, you know, sometimes dreams change. And like, I'll just say, for instance, is that the dream that I have right now is to uh, publish a, a children's book. And that's really a dream of mine. And I'm working on that all the time. And I was a kid that struggled with writing, by the way. You would never know that. But, but you only authored two books, so I mean. Well, yeah, so. So struggling with writing was really, it, it came early on that I struggled in that area, but mm -hmm. I think I'm sometimes a better speaker than I am a, a writer, but my ideas, I'm able now to get, I really you know some provocative ideas onto uh, in a blog or so, and they don't, it doesn't come easy because I'm a, I'm a puzzle maker and I have to connect all the dots and how to mm -hmm. get these ideas on paper. So that's why all those things take a while to do, but um, I hope that, everyone in the audience is able to think about their dreams now and, um, and maybe say, geez, well, how do I get there and, and work at it? You know, I'm working at it all the time and I don't know if I'll be an aviator, but I certainly plan to be a published uh, children's author one day. So that's my next dream. Oh, that's, uh, and I just appreciate that the, the pursuit of those goals is so important, whether you again, succeed or, you know, come up close, right? I don't know. I just went with a cheesy metaphor there in my brain about the whole <laughs> tube of the moon land with the stars thing, but I'll, uh, I'll just, I'm going to veer away from that. But I love that as an idea. I love that as that, that message. And that's something that, you know, 
hopefully we'll get a chance to hear a little bit about in your future presentation uh, for the Westside Personalized Summit and to kind of like turn like through that to kind of your work because you mentioned learn profile and I know that some people listening in will have an idea of what they think that is um, mm -hmm. as they've implemented it on their own and some people will say I really have no idea what, what do you mean um, by learner profile and so just to be clear about what uh, mm -hmm. that looks like for you and your understanding about that piece and how it functions I know that'll also probably be something that gets covered in the sessions that, that you share. Right. So I've definitely, it'll be definitely in my sessions, that double session that I'm doing for the Westside uh, Summit. So uh, the learner profile came from the perspective that personalized learning starts with the learner. And one of the things that we need to be keeping in mind all the time in education is that we need to understand who the learner is. But most important is that we need to help the learner understand that and to be able to express that. Absolutely. And so that learner profile is very, very empowering to the learner, okay? Because now they can talk about who they are as learners. They can talk about their strengths and challenges. They can talk about their preferences and needs in a more open environment and be okay with all of that, you see? Because a lot of times we don't want to talk about our challenges. In fact, most children that have a different degree of challenges sometimes never speak about it and we never speak to them about it. Mm -hmm. And if you can actually have conversations with learners about strengths and challenges, that's a great way, again, to build that relationship with the learner, but most importantly, do something about it. Because when kids have, if kids want to support a challenge, we need to be there to help them understand how to do that, what skills they need to support a challenge. This should be almost like at the top of everyone's list in education, because if we want independent, self-directed learners, if we want learners to develop agency in their learning, then we need to have kids to develop the skills to support their own learning. They need to be able to talk about it, acquire the skills. And a lot of times it's, it's a use of some tool that may have helped them. Uh, and, the, and the skills around that tool that can help them become independent and self-directed. Mm -hmm. That agency, that's a way to get to agency, okay, through this learner profile, building the backpack, the personal learning backpack with the learner, and that's all about the tools and the skills, and then building plans where kids are goal setting and action planning, and we're actually teaching kids how to do that. So someone has asked me, well, how frequently do we do this? You do this all the time, every week, mm -hmm. set, set time every single week to do this. Because I can't imagine any educator out there not saying, I would love all kids to be self-directed learners in my classroom, right? I mean, because then you can help them facilitate their thinking and get them to think deeper as well, you know, about their learning. But until kids are sort of that independent self-directed learner, you're still doing most of the guidance with them, but mm -hmm. they've got to walk away with skills, okay? And skill development more than anything else to support your own learning is essential. I would really love to share a story about an exact example of this, about how this can tr actually transform and change a child's life completely. So about uh, 15 years ago, I used to do assistive technology evals and I met a young man who was in high school reading at a fifth grade level. And I asked him in this interview uh, before the evaluation, I said, what do you want to be when, when you get out of high school? And he said, you know, uh, maybe I could be a carpenter. 
And the reason he probably said that is because he wasn't a reader. He didn't necessarily see himself as, as someone that could be college educated or, or even in any other career. So in the end, uh, I actually made a complete reference of three basic tools that really could support him and, and develop skills around that. And so when that actually happened, so I spent some time actually at his home and actually trained him on very specific tools. And he developed the skills around that. And afterwards, he developed incredible skills to support his learning just on three basic programs at the time. Well, his mother came to see me about three or four years later after he graduated from high school. And she told me this story. She said, let me tell you a little bit about Craig and what happened. And um, he actually had applied for, to UNH, the University of New Hampshire, for a two-year program. He calls her up at the orientation and says, Mom, um, I would really, really like to get into the civil engineering program. And that kind of gave me chills because this is a young man that always thought he could be a carpenter. Mm -hmm. And because he could support his own learning, he now saw himself as being an engineer and that he could get there. Okay, that level of self-confidence and belief in yourself that you can do this. And he had the skills now to do it. And he did. Today, he's a civil engineer. And that's my carpenter to civil engineer story. Gosh, I'm, and my mind's putting these pieces together to say almost agency is the catalyst for goal acquisition, right? Or no, it is. Business, right? It is. It so is. Kind of bringing that full circle a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, wow. Alex, so... You know, when you, when, see this, this young man didn't have a lot of hopes and dreams as a, as a freshman uh, learner in high school because he couldn't read very mm -hmm. well and he didn't see himself. But it's so, what's so great about what happens when you give kids the skills, their self-perception changes yeah. about who they can be. Then they can have those hopes and dreams. So if you are, if you develop those skills in K to 12, right? Or mm -hmm. at any time, the thing is you can develop different perceptions about who you could be and you can realize your hopes and dreams because now I can do it. You know, I can support myself. I can support my own learning. He virtually had every book uh, in college, of course, in some digital format. And he was using readers, basically a, a, a text to speech tool. And that was uh, over, I want to tell you like 12 years ago when that wasn't very accessible, mm -hmm. but he actually got all his books uh, in digital format, even in college to be able to do that. And he was masterful in using all of those tools to support his uh, learning. This young man was a severe dyslexic and uh, he got to realize his dreams. Uh, and, and that's a true story. And that's why I want to say to you is that, that that's, we're in it to help kids realize hopes and dreams Use, mm -hmm. get kids to share their strengths and challenges using that learner profile out of chapter four. It's an eye opener, by the way. It's, it is so empowering to the learner and we need to empower them first. And we don't need to be teaching content until we understand who those kids are. Every kid mm -hmm. in the classroom. Some people will say, well, how do I do that? Well, I've seen teachers use things like Flipgrid uh, for kids to share out hopes and dreams. I've seen kids use uh, Padlets to build boards <laughs> if they wanted right. to do a video around it. And kids 
let kids share those things. It's such an eye opener and it's so, so empowering. And I, and I use that because it is. And when kids can finally say, geez, you know what? I need some help. I really like to learn this skill. We need to move away from you need to do this to I want to learn this. Mm -hmm. okay? And that's what that happens when you give kids that opportunity to share those things. And you got to create that culture where it's that safe environment to share out even the things that you struggle with, you know, and right. as a teacher, you'll need to model that yourself because, you know, I've shared out with everyone here how I struggled with writing. Well, when you first get to say that, it's, it's very releasing. I struggled with writing, but I now, I worked at that. I developed skills around that. I have confidence in doing that. But, uh, and that's what we need to have kids do. Uh, and we need, they need to be able to say what they need because how could they develop ownership to learning? if in fact they don't know how they learn. Right. That's like, that's the, that whole learner profile sort of opens that gate <laughs> to that ownership to learning. See, mm -hmm. and, uh, otherwise you're not going to get there otherwise because kids, kids need to feel that they have ownership, that they can share that out and tell you about their learning. And then you can actually, you're sort of that collaborator and to help them develop those skills and make it a part of what you do every week, every year with kids, mm -hmm. because it, the payoff will be huge and you'll have these kids that are far invested in their learning in the end. Yeah. And I, I like your metaphor there, the idea this is going to open the gate, because I think it's worth noting too, that this is not something that you can necessarily go in and have a student who doesn't understand these things and who struggles in some capacity. And then all of a sudden magically three weeks later with a personalized learning profile, like <laughs> you know, have arrived and had this like uh, tremendous change that it is something that uh, I really appreciate the role that I'm able to be in in Westside because I get a chance to invest in this K-12 uh, and we're not asking at any point for our educators to try to personalize 100% of the experiences that they have, but to give themselves grace enough to grow as educators themselves, which is a point that you brought up uh, to say that, you know, we have to model these things and be okay with taking a little bit of risks ourselves and putting ourselves right. out there and, and, right. and understanding right. that it's a process for us. Um, but that hopefully if a learner has enough opportunities, K-12 to kind of stack this little experience and this experience and through a learner profile and through opportunities to foster agency that hopefully by the time they, they leave that system, uh, that they are able to, and, and it'll benefit within that, that process, K to 12, but, but especially mm -hmm. when they get done, um, mm -hmm. step out into something that I was once told was work, work called vocatory. I'm trying to think of the way this guy used to say this. It was basically work, college, vocation, or military. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, okay. Work called vocatory, uh, I think is the term that I once heard, uh, whether it's work or college, um, you know, vocation or, or the military, but whatever they go into, <laughs> that they'll have the agency to be successful at it. So, yeah. Um, so we, when I was a kid, that word agency wasn't used. And, uh, and I, I like just to share with the audience, just a, a, a way to remember agency and what that means. So I was reading some articles from New Zealand. And so this one, and I can't remember, recall his name, but I, and a lot of people will say, well, what is agency? Mm -hmm. It says agency is simply the power to act. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. And, and if I, you're just, your audience, I hope really appreciates that, just that basic terminology, because I want it to be able to be recalled 
and you could keep it fairly simple, you know, um, the terminology. Just like I use access, engage, and express as a way to understand your learning using the neurosciences, that UDL lens of access, engage, and express, I did that intentionally because I wanted it to be remembered by both teachers and learners and be able to use it in conversation. And the whole idea of agency, that also needs to be discussed and talked with kids too. And it's, it, it truly is simply the power to act. And I hope that you think about agency as the central point to what you're doing in the classroom every day, because we are here, uh, agency needs to be the primary focus, because agency is also going to bring self-advocacy for the learner. Mm -hmm. okay? Because now they're speaking, like I was telling you, from the I term, you say, I want to learn this. I, I would like to learn how to do this. Uh, I would like to develop the skills. It's all the I instead of you. As soon as you say I, there's a certain level of ownership to that word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's an important piece to this. And I has to be used so that kids can now, even after they leave school, they can advocate for who they are as learners. Sure. Okay, and what they'd like to do. It's that level of self-confidence that you can have uh, when you have those skills to support your learning. And um, that's something, you know, self-confidence was the word that was used in my time during the 50s and 60s. Today, we call it agency. And when kids have that, you know, and when kids are able to do, have that level of self-confidence and agency in their learning, they can do just about anything. And they oh, can realize, yeah, they can realize all their hopes and dreams, like I was saying. Mm -hmm. And um, I just love that the focus, and, and of course, my talk uh, hopefully will be around agency and self-advocacy. I, but also want every one of your audience members to think about how, when you use this single lens for all learners, there's a certain level of equity in the classroom now. Mm -hmm. That each one of us, because a lot of kids will see um, other children and they kind of compare themselves all the time to each other. I mean, that's what kids do every day. Mm -hmm. is that if kids all sort of were able to reveal their strengths and challenges, there's a certain level of equity in the classroom and that not all of us are these perfect learners because no one landed on this planet being a perfect human being, right? Sure. <laughs> so, and we are, we're all wired differently. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a real appreciation of, of each other and respect to each other as learners that's important in the culture. Yeah, and, and I would advocate for all those things that we're saying right now about agency and uh, I can or I will versus the you through, right. the, through the context of professional development and for right. supportive teachers as well that sometimes, you know, we will listen to a podcast like this and say, this is so great for, for learners and we're going to advocate for this to help them grow uh, and, and to develop <laughs> that confidence and then turn around and at the same time have a lockstep approach to how we try to um, support our own classroom teachers and practitioners in their own <laughs> you know, development and growth. And so, uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm going, gosh, this is, I want to advocate for that as well in the midst of all this, that it is a journey uh, and that hopefully if you are getting started with personalized learning that you can kind of understand that we're talking about you too <laughs> with all this. Yeah. It's going to yes. happen over time. And um, so, you know, there's a, uh, and I've talked about this before in, um, in many years ago is about, you know, it's not just for, well, first of all, we're all learners and the professional learning needs to be personalized because, and, and teachers need to be able to say, I would like to learn this. I mm -hmm. feel like, you know, I could get, do I would really like to learn how to do this. 
I right. would like to learn this particular skill. They are also, it's, high, it's very, very important in creating learner-centered environments that the learning is personalized and that teachers are really developing agency as well. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I, and, it's, and it's interesting too I, to see the shift from sort of being kind of the sit and get PD approach to a little bit more differentiation is what I would call it more as of late where we're going to give you some options. You can go to one of four sessions today, uh, which we'll have a little bit of in our Westside Personalized Summit, but that idea of what does it look like to really allow them to uh, you know, have dreams and pursue them in a way that is still holding to whatever, you know, your grading system is, content, you know, your standards, indicators, uh, all the factors that play in. But um, so if you are interested in that kind of professional development, maybe this is my segue. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah. The uh, Westside Personal Summit will be on May 29th and May 30th and uh, could not be more excited uh, for Kathy McClaskey to join us there uh, to be a part of that experience. And so hopefully, yeah, for the audience listening in, you've had a chance to get a little bit of a preview of her work and what you can expect to hear from her uh, as a part of that, that conference. Is there any last words of advice or things you'd want to say before we kind of wrap up? No, I, I am so charged with your, who you have at this conference. Yeah. Anything that's even in the vicinity, even within of the city or any states that are around Nebraska, you guys have to come because the, the first of all, who you have there is, is phenomenal, okay? Yeah. You wouldn't even find this audience in major conferences, to be right. honest with you, so. Uh, but this is, I am like just so wowed by uh, really your, your thoughts behind and the design of this conference for two days. I think it's great and, and this is where and basically teachers can really personalize their own learning uh, mm -hmm. at your conference. So yeah. that's my part. And, and it'll, we'll have so many practitioners and uh, they'll be sharing classroom stories too that will we'll speak from that place. Here's what I wanted to do. Here's where I saw my class going next. And so we had conversations around how we would kind of work to get there. Uh, and I, I think there is something that uh, is inspiring about that. And so I'm glad that we'll get a chance to showcase so many people Mm -hmm. uh, during that okay. time in that way. So Kathleen, thank you so much for your time today and we'll look forward to seeing you in May. Okay, look forward to it. All right, thanks. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.